The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. You might have already read on the Internet that one of the big credit card companies expects to reduce the number of jobs at the firm by, I guess, roughly 8,000 people it was. These 8,000 people will be replaced by an answering machine programmed by someone with one of those soothing California voices, which will invite you to select from one of 18 options. Of course, each one of those 18 voices will give you six more choices until you're so lost you won't even be able to remember why you called in the first place. The only people they're not firing at this company are, one, the person who denies your loan, two, the person who denies your medical claim, three, the person who charges you late fees, and lastly, the person who can't help you with your problem. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
Ghana. Ghana here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. Amazon and Google are wonderful tools. With Amazon and Google, you can quickly find for your coffee pot a replacement card that you can't afford to buy. Faberware, COPC3, two feet, six inch power card, fits two prong units only by Faberware, $13 plus $7 shipping. <laughs> 20 bucks for a card? The other day, when my wife Marsha, the almost perfect woman, tried to whip up a pot of the coffee drug, smoke and crackling and sparks came out of the thing and made a big black mark on the kitchen counter. Anyway, the, the card obviously shot it out. It burnt off. And, of course, cards do that if you yank on them for 10, 20 years. For 20 bucks... For 20 bucks, you better believe I drilled out the rivet that holds that little socket thing together. I soldered the wire. Now, I figured, just like you would, I figured it'd be a 30-minute job at the most simple little thing, including finding the tools and the solder and all the stuff to do it. But that black socket part has two sides to it. You know, it's built like a... it's It's not a mirror image, but there's two sides to it. And even after I had the wire soldered, it took me, yes, it took me over an hour to figure out that the two sides are not mirror images and that it only goes together one way. You have to do one side first. You can't, you can't start with side B. You've got to start with side A. The same thing happened to me when I tried to put a coupling in the rain gutter on the hen house. That gutter coupling only goes together one way. Point of all this, what would you pay for a little elf who would sit on your shoulder for the rest of your life and help you with your little projects around the house? All the elf would usually have to say is, hey, uh, try it the other way. You know, whatever that elf cost, it would be worth it. Because ignorance is very expensive.
McKinney, McKinney's Cotton Pickers. Do, 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 do. Nice dancing music. Makes you want to hop right around like a cricket, doesn't it? Do you realize, do you realize how lucky we are to live in St. George, Maine? We have some of the nicest neighbors you'd find anywhere. Of course, I got to admit, a sociologist or an anthropologist would tell us that we like our neighbors because they share our values. We like the same things. We do the same things. We're all pretty much alike. And of course, in my neighborhood, this should be true. Most of us who have lived in this part of Maine for 281 so years, well, we have the same ancestor. And this was brought to my attention one day when I stopped in to visit my neighbor, Gary Haverinen. Gary was in a T-shirt, having a wonderful time up to his elbows in soap suds in his immaculate kitchen. And Gary said, are you listening to this? This is what Gary said. I do all the dishes and clean up. Sandra cooks. Then he said, at Robert Faustini's house, Robert cooks and Beverly cleans up. I thought about this. You know, even though my wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, is from away, she very quickly assimilated the values of both Sandra Haverinen and Beverly Fowler. Marsha cooks, and then she cleans up.
Ghana here on the humble farm. I'm well, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you for listening. We read what we want to read. Are you any different from from the rest of us? We read what we want to read. We read to confirm our own conceptions of the world. I suppose I might I might just well come right out and say that I'm talking here about politics. Although we have newspapers and television news, email is the way many of us now have our political views confirmed. And because, with small unpleasant exceptions, we only hear from our friends who email us things that confirm their views, which they know are our, which they know are our views, About half of the people in this country never get to read the truth in a politically-oriented email. The other 50% of emails containing political commentary is outright slander and deliberate lies. You know this. Most of us have friends with whom we cannot discuss politics or exchange politically-oriented emails. This is because... We don't want to distress our friends by suggesting that there might be another side of the political fence. Think about this. If you own a factory where 400 children without health insurance work over sewing machines for 12 hours a day, are you going to share the political views of a man who collapsed and was rushed into the emergency room because his health insurance provider wouldn't approve some necessary tests his cardiologist had requested the month before. <gasps> so, the bulk of emails, the bulk emails that these two people send out to countless friends of their own polit- political persuasion reflects diametrically opposed political views. Hmm. Tax and spend? Or... Borrow and bomb. I'm the humble farmer at gmail dot com. Which of these two groups emails you? I guess I'll never learn, and I show it. 
If you've got a heart and if you're kind, then don't keep us apart. Make up your mind. You're undecided now. So what are you gonna do? Jack Mansa, who was one of my college roommates at Gorham Normal School. Jack Mansa was one of my roommates at Gorham Normal School. And Jack sent me this story, and it's the exact kind of story I like to tell to you on this program, because I know you like this kind of story. Here's the story. I asked a librarian for a book on Pavlov's dog and Schrodinger's cat. She said it rang a bell, but she wasn't sure if it was there or not.
Ghana. Thank you for listening. Commenting on my radio show and the fact that I play a lot of Ghana, Rebecca Carr, from way out west somewhere, sends me this letter. And Rebecca says, I should also mention that it took me quite a while to decipher the name Errol Ghana. You simply... You often simply say his last name as you often just use Django's first name. My Midwestern ears heard Ghana no matter how many times I listened or how hard I tried. I started searches for names like Ghana Jones. I was so delighted to finally hear his first name. The next record I bought was his and I love it. Can you believe this? I, I believe it. Thank you, thank you for that letter, Rebecca. It is not the first time someone has commented on the way I say Ghana. And now, well, now that you've pressed the point so that everyone will understand, I should always make it a point to say Ghana, Errol Ghana, you know, as in Bond, James Bond. James Bond obviously wanted to have people understand who he was before he shot him. So he always said, Bond, James Bond, Ghana, Errol Ghana.
on the humble farmer where with any luck at all you can hear me playing Ghana you can hear me playing old fashioned music just for you every week at this time thank you for listening I am the humble farmer at gmail.com love to hear from you and since my surgeon tightened up the little trap door that separates my stomach from my esophagus I've had to chew my food into liquid form so I can ingest it This would naturally bring to your mind Horace Fletcher, the great masticator who claimed that food should be thoroughly chewed before swallowed. He even said you should chew water before swallowing it. And you might remember that Horace Fletcher said, Nature will castigate those who don't masticate. And as I said, since my operation, only things in liquid form will pass from my lips into my stomach. My doctor friend tied a knot in some mysterious trap door down there to ensure that anything I eat will behave itself, stay where it belongs. The ultimate goal was to eliminate my constant coughing, and this coughing was caused by my stomach acid refusing to stay down where it belonged. As a result... The hamburger that was raised on my farm that I had for supper the other night and the hamburger that I had for dinner the next day, this hamburger had to be thoroughly Fletcherized. It is impossible, I want you to know this, it is impossible to turn homegrown hamburger into liquid, uh, although I Fletcherized it to the point where I could ingest it. Still some little bits there. And actually, everything I've eaten since my operation, I've had to Fletcherize, which is why I've had a chance to think about this process an awful lot over the past two weeks. I'm pretty sure, where'd you ever hear of Horace Fletcher? I'm pretty sure I heard of Horace Fletcher in a psychology one-on-one class. I took at Gorham Normal School probably around 1962. This Fletcherizing was one of the... (laughs) This Fletcherizing was one of the salient items that I retained, which certainly ensured that there would be nothing about it on the test. Please, please, tell me, tell me that you remember hearing about Horace Fletcher in one of your old psych classes. And I even plan to mention Fletcher and Fletcherizing in my next newspaper column. Wouldn't you think that bandying about the obscure Fletcher in a newspaper column would Well, wouldn't it grace it with an aura of erudition? Don't you all agree that I'll improve my image if I manage to work him in?
Ghana. It must have been, what was it, 45, 55 years ago when I was flunking out of the Crane Department of Music up in Potsdam. It seems to me that this particular recording, this particular version of Ghana playing Lullaby of Birdland was on the jukebox. I heard it over and over and over and over. Was that, could that have been around 1957, 58? You tell me. I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com and my friend John Leakey gave us a hunk of the finest kind of cheese the other day. John was on his way to work on the lighthouse on Manhigan. He's an expert on restoring old buildings. And John spent the night here at the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast so he could take the early Manhigan boat out of Port Clyde. My wife Marcia was going to put that cheese into macaroni and cheese make some kind of casserole for supper. But I just happened to wander through the kitchen when she was doing it and I got a nibble of that cheese while she was cutting it up. <laughs> you better believe, I said, this cheese is too good to waste on a casserole. So she put that good cheese aside for me to gnaw on and she used some inferior cheese in her casserole instead. Now, I'll eat that cheese with crackers over the next week or so. And you can probably hear I'm having trouble here. My mouth is watering just thinking about that nice, sharp cheese on a cracker. <laughs> you, you certainly remember what de Gaulle said about cheese. Remember this? Comment voulez-vous gouverneur en pesque en duc cent quatre-vingt-six varieties de fromage? And because... Because I can read French, I articulate French like an American. Because I can't say it the way it's supposed to sound, to clarify for you, in case you do understand French, I don't understand French, I tried to say, how can you govern a country which has 246 varieties of cheese?
if, 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 if dreams come true. Scott Hamilton, of course, and Harry Allen, you knew that because no one else can do what you just heard Scott Hamilton and Harry Allen do. The Humble Farmer here. Thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time right here on your favorite station playing old-fashioned music just for you. Do you buy books on Amazon? I buy excellent books for a quarter at lawn sales. But here's what happens. From time to time, I hear of a book I'd like to read, and that's when I bring up Amazon. A few years ago, I heard of a man who spent... 29 years in solitary in jail before someone finally figured out that he was probably innocent and they let him out. <laughs> Imagine that. Now, you can think of a lot of people who went to jail. Martin Luther King, Thoreau, Voltaire, Bertrand Russell, Thomas More, Oscar Wilde, Solzhenitsyn, Mahatma Gandhi. You could think of hundreds more. And it makes you wonder why you never contributed enough to society to warrant a sentence of your own. Anyway, this poor man who was probably innocent, after 29 years they let him out, this poor man wrote a book called From the Bottom of the Heap. And I said to myself, well, you know, I'd kind of like to read this From the Bottom of the Heap. Let's see if I can find it on Amazon for only one cent at four dollars postage. Guess what? The time I was looking for it, it was $12.95 plus the $4 postage. And the same thing has happened the past four or five times I've looked for a book. My question to you is, why do the books you'd like to read always cost $12.94 more than you want to pay?
here on the Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. Almost time to get out here. Time for one more comment here, one more rant, and perhaps just a teeny-weeny bit of Millenberg joys. And now, if I can squeeze it in here, you and I are going to talk about threats. And I'm not talking here about veiled threats, but blatant, we're talking here about blatant, in-your-face threats. My wife, Marcia, the almost perfect woman, is the master of the in-your-face threat. Because I don't think that the need to make threats is genetically transmitted, she could have learned it as a small child by listening to her mother. And now that I start to think of it, my wife's father was the most moderate, laid-back man I ever met. Anyway, the other morning... My wife approached the deposed Lord and Master of this house, who, of course, lives here with his fingers glued to the keyboard of his computer, and this is what she said. Are you listening? Will you please make an effort to put in that microwave today? I've spent a lot of time cleaning it, and I want you to put it in before it gets rusty. (laughs) Not a threat, you say? It sounds like a very polite and reasonable request. Well, yes, yes, it is. But then I said, before it gets rusty, you want me to put in the new microwave before it gets rusty? Now, you should know that she just paid $4 for it, so it was new to us at the time. So I laughed, and it wasn't a nasty, sarcastic laugh. It was a real honest, that's funny laugh. And I said... Do you know how long it takes something that's setting out in the barn to get rusty? You don't seem to have much faith in my ability to get things done around here. And that's when she said, 
if you don't put it in. I am going to pick it up and carry it in here and do it myself. And right there you can hear the, if you don't, I will threat part. And you know as well as I do that she'd been out there washing the breakfast dishes, doing something out there in the kitchen, and rehearsing that little little speech. She was rehearsing that little speech out in the kitchen till she had it down pat in its final form and trounced in where I was to deliver it. Now, if you're a husband, my question to you is, does your wife have a similar modus operandi when she wants something done? Does she make the not-so-thinly-veiled threats? What? You don't know because no matter how important and how intricate your project, you always jump right up the first time she asks. <laughs> 